This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. All right, everyone, what's going on? How you doing? What's up? Welcome to episode 139 of the Moranalytics podcast presented today by O'Neill Stadium Inn in Orchard Park, New York. Today is Tuesday, July 30th. At least it will be when you're hearing this episode. I am actually taping this on a Monday night. And as I'm sure you could tell already, noise in the background. I'm not in the comfort of my quiet little home studio in Lakewood Ranch, Florida. Instead, and I'm very, very excited about this. I am actually at O'Neill's in Orchard Park right now, Abbott Road, Southwestern Boulevard, literally across the street from New Era Field. In fact, I am looking out at those Bills flags flying around right now. I can't thank O'Neill's enough for being such a gracious host. And I'll tell you what, this is my first taping since landing in Buffalo a few days ago. First of six episodes I'll be taping. And I could not think of a better place to tape this podcast episode. O'Neill's for me is long. Been one of my favorite places for lots of reasons. I'm sure all Buffalo Bills fans know it as one of those two bars right across from the stadium that people party at before, during, after Bills games, home games. Certainly true. I'm not going to deny that. It is true. But... More than just the Sunday fun day binge drinking, this is an absolutely under-the-radar money spot to come get your eat on. They got a full menu, which will make most of you happy. Of course, for me, I only care about one thing. That's the chicken wings. A bar, for me, food-wise, lives or dies with chicken wings. And I'm telling you, man, this place has some of the best wings in Western New York. If you know me, if you follow me on Twitter, If you listen to this podcast regularly, you know about my constant journey going out to as many wing spots to try as humanly possible. I review them. I liken them to a quarterback. I do a quarterback comparison, and then I power rank them. I'm up to like 44, 45 right now, and O'Neal's remains an easy top 10 pick for me. In fact, I think they're like right now in my top seven. I just, I love this place, man. It's a spacious bar, dining room if you want to sit down and eat, want a little more privacy, want it to be a little quieter. If you're in the mood to party it up, bang out that jukebox, good-sized bar. And then my favorite part of the place is the back patio, especially during the summertime. That's where I'm sitting out right now taping this intro. So to recap, I got the perfect spot to tape my first of what will be six episodes during this Buffalo trip. So I need to have the perfect guest. And I nailed that too, man. I'll be joined by Sal Capaccio from WGR 550 in just a minute. And I'll tell you, man, Sal is one of... Not just the best sports guys that I know, but he's one of the best human beings out there in the business, period. He was my first ever guest. He was also my guest on my one-year anniversary episode in February, which, by the way, 
during our interview, which I'm going to play in a second, I incorrectly said he was my guest on my 100th episode. I meant to say one-year anniversary, so my bad. Now he's my guest again, a three-timer, and he just came off four straight days of covering Bill's camp in Rochester. He's been on a grind. His voice is a little hoarse. This is his night off, but because I asked him last week to do the show, and he said he would, he, he came. And he not only did he come, he also came to O'Neill's with his wife and his adorable son, Max, who, by the way, enjoyed that O'Neill's Casadeas, very much Casadeas. That's not for me. I don't like those. But Max was all about them. He loved them. Anyway, Sal and I, we talk a little chicken wings. We talk a lot about the Buffalo Bills. And then I spent some time asking Sal a bunch of questions that were submitted by fans via Twitter. Some of them are football. Some of them are personal life, fun stuff. It's great things, man. Last thing too, by the way. All done in one shot, this interview. I don't have the luxury of doing any real editing with all the outside background noise, everything going on, as opposed to when I'm in a nice, quiet studio like I usually am. So it is what it is, couple warts and all, but it's a good interview, man. And I'm not going to waste any more time here. Let's get after it right now. Here it is, my interview with WGR's Sal Capaccio. Let's do it. My guest today is the Buffalo Bills beat reporter for WGR, and of course, sideline reporter in Bills games. He was also the first ever guest on this podcast, and also my guest on the 100th episode. My guest today again, Sal Capaccio. What's going on, Sal? How are you doing? I'm doing well. I have to ask you, am I the first three-time guest? You are. On your podcast. You're the first three-time guest? I get the first, the 100th, and the first third time, three-time Although I know that I'm the only the second guy you have live, I guess I'll take the silver medal in that one. <laughs> yep, Matt because Perino Matt Perino is, is a good dude, so I'll, I'll let that one slide. It's good to be here, man. I'm glad you asked me. Uh, I brought my wife and son here. They're hanging out at O'Neill's. It's a great place here. I've been here many times. I know the people here. I know you know them well. And then, you know, when you come out of the stadium after a game, O'Neill's is rocking. It's it just is. rocking, no matter win or lose for the Bills. It really is. And I'll tell you something about O'Neill's. I'm a regular at this place, and when I come into Buffalo, I always come up here and one of the things that some people don't know, you know, people come up here for Bills games on Sundays and this place is mobbed because, of course, the stadium is right across the street. But they have a good crowd on a regular basis, yes. man. Really good food. We're going to have some wings. We'll talk about them later on. But reasonable drink prices, good people, good bartenders. And the summertime is beautiful with this nice outdoor patio overlooking um, Abbott Road and, this, of course, the stadium. So, and the owners have a place down in Florida, too, I think. Yes. Down yep. uh, kind of near you, actually, yeah, yep. where you live. I got to apologize, everybody. I have a little raspy voice. This is the time of year, Pat, where I go from basically zero to 60 in the number of interviews that I'm doing and talking I'm doing in the radio. Yeah. Now, I have enough of it in the summer, but it really ramps up all over the place. So kind of lost the voice the other night. And there may or may not be any truth to the rumor. I cannot confirm or deny that maybe part of the reason is that I went out in Rochester the other night and saw a band and had to talk over the band as well <laughs> while I was at this uh, establishment. So that's part of the reason I kind of sound like the Godfather, which isn't that bad. But I want to apologize to your listeners before we do that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, man, we're going to talk some bills. Uh, I got a bunch of fan questions people submitted for you to answer on Twitter. I put out something and a lot of people respond. I think there's some good ones in there. You're back on the grind now. Like I said, your voice is sore. You're getting used yep. to it again. Camp starts. It's a, is that a, a big adjustment for you every year? You know, you have a little bit of downtime in the summer. You're not doing as much, you know, more time at home and stuff like that. And then every year it ramps back up this time of year with training camp. Is that always an adjustment, getting used to that every year, even though you're a veteran of the game now? But still, you know, having that 
time off. Well, not completely time off, but right. you have more time off in the summer. And now all of a sudden it's back every day. I mean, four you days know, of practice. It's of course an adjustment, but I mean, I, it makes it easier that uh, my wife and I, since I've been in this job, we've been married. It's not like it suddenly came about and there was this whole thing that, well, hey, I get this job now where this is what happens come August. You know, I mean, uh, this is the way it's been pretty much since we've been up to Buffalo. And the the biggest thing about it is, it's more of a routine. It's more of structure. Now, training camp is different because I do go away. Yeah. And I have to balance that out. Max is getting older. He's five years old. You know, I want to be there in the morning for him or go to his game. You know, one day I came home. Normally, I would have stayed, in, stayed out in Fisher, but I came home one night because he had a lacrosse game. Right. Now, that, that's different this year. That's the adjustment that's starting to happen in my life. But as far as the actual you know, not covering the team to covering the team, it's not really because... And I try to tell people this all the time. I'm like a doctor on call anyway in the summer. I, I actually prefer the structure of the season, knowing where I'm supposed to be, when I'm supposed to be there, as opposed to, hey, I'm just kind of chilling out, relaxing. I'm thinking about what story to write. Boom, they signed somebody. I got to go to work. Right. I got to do something. I got to call somebody. I got to find out who this guy is. That's kind of what happens in the summer, at least now, starting now and basically when they come back to the stadium after camp, it's every Monday's the same. Every Tuesday is the day off for players. This is regular season, so I'm off on Tuesdays. Every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is all the same. The only thing that changes is if we travel on Saturday or not. Otherwise, I, I, I like the actual structure and the fact that my life has deadlines and times attached, attached to them now. Yeah, that makes sense, man. I think one of the things that I've always liked about you is I feel like you're a really good bridge between the mainstream media and underground media, so to speak. And by that, I mean, you know, bloggers, some podcasters, because mm-hmm. you've been on both sides. You've you've had a blog. You've had YouTube videos and things like that. You had your own show, Sales Sports. And I think that's always helped you relate more to the blogger yeah. than maybe somebody who graduates out of college and at 22, 23 years old, they're the beat writer for the Buffalo News, or they're on the air, they're a sports anchor, they're already on the air. You've kind of had a long road to get to where you're at. So I feel like because of that, you've been on both sides. And you can kind of relate to the bloggers out there that are trying to grind out and make a name for themselves and expand their brand as well. well I, I can, and I appreciate them and respect them. That's why I do shows like this. You reach out to me, I'm not going to blow you off and say no. I mean, I understand what you're trying to do, and you're not trying to make a career in this business. I know maybe maybe at one time you wanted to. Maybe you still want to. I don't right. know, but, no, but, you're right. but, but, but it's like you do this because you love it, sure. because you're having fun, yeah. and you know you want to just give people a little bit alternative of maybe what they're hearing every day. You know, My job has certain parameters in it that you might not have to have. And, you know, you can give people a little bit of a different content. There's a lot of people like that and a lot of outlets like that. I will say, though, it is always evolving and the lines are getting more and more blurred between the mainstream and the non-mainstream media, right? I mean, what what is mainstream, what isn't? Because now, basically, everything's online, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and we have Twitter, we have Facebook, we have social media, Blogs kind of are the thing. In a lot of ways, there are certain blogs that are mainstream media is what it is now. So I think we have a lot of blurred lines there. And that's actually been a really interesting debate of what's going on at Bill's training camp because I know that there's been some that are credentialed and some that aren't and who gets it and who doesn't. I mean, that's happened for a long time, whether it's Sabres and Bills. But, you know, I think it also puts pressure on teams to have to figure that out. The, the team, like the PR department, they have to navigate those waters on who has what, what do they do, what function do they serve, do we credential them? Do we not? And I think it's a really interesting dynamic right now. Do you think that it should be a team-by-team basis who decides you know, who gets credentials based on what they do? Or do you think it should be a league-wide policy that the entire league has to follow? I think it should be team-by-team. Team. Every team is different. Every market is different. Buffalo may have 
a certain amount of group of people or different outlets that bring content that New York or Chicago doesn't have that. Yeah, they're, they're legit. They're here. They're there for the right reasons. Um, you know, and they may want to have a certain spot at practices or at games. And then even then training camp is different than regular season practices, which is different than game credentials and stuff like that. So there's all different levels. And I think it should be on a team by team basis where everybody, each team individually looks at it and says, this is good. This is not good. This is who we need to credential. This is who we don't. Okay. Here's what I want to do. I want to talk Buffalo Bills for just a few minutes here. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about the Bills because this podcast, you know, when I have a reporter on, it's not about Sal Capaccio talking Buffalo Bills. When I have you on my show, it's about Sal Capaccio. And we'll throw in some Bills talk because obviously fans want to hear about that. But after, And the reason why I say that is because after we do this, I got a bunch of fan questions. Some of them are Bills questions and some of them are on a more personal Sometime humorous level, and, and we'll get to those. But I do want to talk Buffalo Bills because like, I got a couple questions for you. The offensive line is a position that is absolutely fascinating me this offseason because it was so bad last year, and they've been so active in free agency and then obviously drafting Cody Ford in the second round. But anyway, both John Feliciano, Spencer Log have seen time with the ones early on in camp during that first rotation. Is that pretty much what you expected right now in the interior, those two guys playing a guard position? I don't know if I expected those two specifically, Pat, but I expected some sort of rotation there, uh, whoever it is, however they wanted to do it. Um, actually, I'll be honest, I think it's been a little bit... I, I've been surprised that they haven't had more of a rotation at certain spots, like right tackle with Cody Ford. Now, you and I are sitting here on Sunday night before we go back to... I'm sorry, Monday night before we go back to uh, practice on Tuesday, right? So maybe they have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Suddenly, it's Ty and Secchi. Maybe the first four days was Cody Ford. The next three, four days will be Ty Inseki. Last year, it was on a day-by-day basis with Ryan Groy and Russell Bodine at center. That's how they determine that. So maybe that's what they do. But if the way they're treating right guard isn't any indication, that's not the case because they have been flip-flopping. I'm more surprised at the lack of rotation at right tackle and at left guard with Quentin Spain. Quentin Spain has been the sole left guard. Mm-hmm. Wyatt Teller hasn't been in the mix. Spencer Long has played a little bit there as well as right guard, as we know. So this is a really interesting way they're going about it because, and then obviously center and left tackle has not been changed out at all. Um, I think I w- am not surprised at all. They like John Feliciano. I think I thought they liked him when they signed him. He really he had experience under his belt. He played well. And Spencer Long, when they signed him, many people thought, "Oh, okay, well they needed a center. They finally signed a center." Then they paid Mitch Morse. You saw Long go to guard. So I think because they got in on him early, they paid him some money, they're going to give him every chance to win that job. And right now it's uh, back and forth, nip and tuck. When you say Cody Ford playing and getting all the first team reps right now, or most of them, I should say, a right Right. tackle, is that rare to see a right tackle who's not a first-round draft pick step right in and get all these number one reps? I mean, they did go out, they signed Ty Nasecki, and it it felt to me, at least at the time, that he got starter money. Yeah, short-term starter money, but... Clearly, it's Cody Ford, at least early on. That might change as early as tomorrow, like and, you said. And Seki is a guy that has really been talked up and raved about in Washington. He was behind two really good players in Washington. Maybe the Bills just really want him as a swing tackle, along with Adrian Waddle, who, by the way, just usually fills in for Deion Dawkins at left tackle. Maybe you have those guys as your swing tackle. You have another guy as an interior guy. I think Feliciano might have a little bit of a leg up on long because, interestingly enough, when Mitch Morris took a rest day, they put Feliciano at center. So Feliciano has that position flexibility to also play center, even though Spencer Long did, but he wasn't great at it last year. All the you know there were some problems there, there was some analytics that showed that, even though Spencer Long can play it. To answer your question about Ford, yeah, I mean, it is rare, not for a rookie to start, but right away 
day one training camp, especially given what else the Bills brought in that he's ahead of right now. How locked in do you think, and it's too early to tell right now after just a couple days of of practice, only one with pads, but Deion Dawkins playing left tackle right now. How locked in do you think he is to being the starting left tackle? Again, we'll use Ty Nasecki, who... By all accounts, everything I've read said he's actually better on the left side. He did a great job backing up Trent Williams last year in Washington. So with him lurking, how locked in do you think Deion Dawkins is? How committed? He is very locked in unless he collapses. If Unless Deion Dawkins just, for some reason, it goes out there and does not play well at all, he's the starting left tackle. Look, they have an investment in him. They traded up in Sean McDermott's first draft in the second round for Deion Dawkins. He played well his rookie year. Had a little bit of a setback last year, maybe because he was without Richie Incognito next to him. And and Eric Wood, obviously. I think that impacted him a lot. But barring him and some sort of setback in the way he plays, this is Deion Dawkins' job. He, he is the starting left tackle. By the way, he hasn't just been the starting left tackle since day one of camp. He's been the starting left tackle since day one of OTAs and minicamp right. and training camp. So I don't see them changing anytime soon. When it comes to Bodine and Vlad Dukas, they're still on the roster. It feels to me like it's almost purely for insurance reasons right now. Probably right. It, it's, you know, barring injury, I don't hear anything about them when it comes to practices at all, literally. And barring injury, I don't see them making the team. You talked about the tackles. You got Dawkins, Ford, Naseki, Waddle. That seems pretty set. I'm assuming they're going to go four tackles. That that seems pretty solid. And then interior, Morris, Long, Spain, Feliciano, that's eight. Nine if you include Wyatt Teller. Did and you should, by the way, the team? you should include Wyatt Teller because even though I get asked about Wyatt Teller a lot lately because you don't see him on the first team. And my response is simply what it's going to be to you, which is there's no shame in a mid-round second, mid-round drafted second year player being on the second team. Right. He started a little bit last year out of necessity because the team was just not that good in the offensive line. Right. But if he is one of the top four guy, interior guys and they keep him. That's fine, and I think right now that's what he is. I think Wyatt Teller is a backup guard who makes the football team. They invested in him. They drafted him. I think they like him. Sure, something could happen where they say, we just don't have room for him. We like these other guys better, but he's a younger guy, right? I mean, a lot of these other guys are a little bit older. They have experience. Wyatt Teller, to me, makes the club, but he's a backup guard. If everyone stays healthy, which is a big question mark, obviously, with four preseason games to go, if everyone stays healthy, though, do you see Bodine or Dukas making a team, either of them? Probably not. Now, Bodine has been the backup center generally for Mitch Morse. Uh, but like I said, Feliciano got reps there the other day. So you're probably going to keep, you know, position flexibility. The more you can do, you'll probably keep Feliciano and or long over Bodine to play center. Whichever one doesn't win the guard job, I guess is what I'm saying. Whoever doesn't win the job, guard job between Feliciano and long probably is still kept over Bodine to me because he can play guard and center, whereas Bodine really can only play center. Okay. Robert Foster's a guy, he was a fan in media, darling, because of he really came on at the end of last year after getting cut. But early on, it certainly seems that he's the Bills' fourth receiver, at least right now. I know they don't have a true, quote-unquote, number one, and numbering guys could be deceiving, but one through three right now, at least to me, it seems like it's Brown, Beasley, and Zay Jones. Yep. How far does Robert Foster have to go right now to, to, to win confidence? Do you think he's... Right now, again, he's the fourth receiver. A lot of people were speculating he could become the Bills' number one. He's the most talented guy on the roster at receiver. Where do you see him right now? Well, first of all, I want to say as far as most talented, I think the last four days have opened my eyes to how talented John Brown is. John Brown is the most talented wide receiver on the roster, and he has the experience. He is not just a fast guy. He can do a lot, Pat. He is 
to me, he's been the most impressive player on offense through four days. Gets separation off the line, in the red zone, horizontally, vertically. He does he does all the little things you want really well. Robert Foster is not far from the top three. He still gets first team reps. He goes in there sometimes. But I do agree that he's a little bit behind Zay Jones for that spot. And it's clearly Brown and Beasley for the top two. Zay is generally the third guy. Foster is generally the fourth guy. But Foster is working in, and he will get reps. So I don't know how they're going to parse it during the season. But it seems like to me he's, even though a little bit behind, someone that they still have plans for to be on the field quite often. What about if the Bills, assuming they keep six receivers, I mean, that's not a lot, but we would assume Andre Roberts will be the fifth guy. Yeah, and by the way, I mean, he's he's playing a regular rotation at wide receiver. He's what not, about the sixth guy? What do you think well, is that right, right now, now it's between Ray Ray and Isaiah Mc, McKenzie. I mean, those are the two guys. There is clearly the top five, which we just talked about, including Andre Roberts. So you mm-hmm. go from Beasley, Brown, Jones, Foster, and Roberts. That's the top five. After that, there is the next two, and that is Ray Ray and Isaiah McKenzie. Now, if Andre Roberts really is going to be, and it looks like, a big part of the receiving rotation, he's going to be a regular guy, I think that opens up a spot maybe to keep another receiver because you do have him as your return man if you want to, and you say, okay, well, if we just need to go exclusively return man, we at least have another guy that can you know, be like Ray Ray or Isaiah McKenzie. I don't know how they're going to do it. I mean, some teams have kept seven wide receivers if they can play special teams. That's going to be big for them. I like I like the the spring that Ray Ray McLeod had. I think he's done a pretty good job here in camp so far. I think Ray Ray McLeod might have a slight edge right now over Isaiah McKenzie, but it's clearly those two fighting for that last that sixth spot. Two guys that a lot of people on Twitter talk about. They're I want I don't want to say they're fan favorites, but they're definitely a, a big time subject. Is Duke Williams and David Sills? How far off are one or both of those guys? Are they're they far off. Behind? I mean, they're they're not getting any regular reps with the first or really second team that often. They'll show up on the second team once in a while, Pat. But look. I saw embedded just like you did and everybody else did and all this love for David Sills. Wow, we got to get this guy. We love this guy. We targeted this guy. Here's what I've been saying about it, which is I think they probably liked a lot of undrafted free agents that much. They probably put the same full court press on a lot of free agents like that, the undrafted guys. But because that's a TV show and they're trying to show you the process, right. they showed you that one and everybody hooked on, wow, they must really love this kid. I think they loved a lot of the UDFAs that much. I don't know. Maybe that's not the case. I can tell you this. He's buried on the depth chart. I mean, him and Duke Williams are down there, and I would say I would say Cam Phillips might be ahead of them. Cam Phillips has been, I think, on the field just as much as not more of the, from those guys. Nick Easley's down there, obviously. I don't expect him to make the roster. But as of right now, both David Sills and Duke Williams are on the outside looking in. I will say this about David Sills. He is much more the mold of a guy that would be on the practice squad than Duke Williams. Duke Williams has been a pro. If you get to this point and Duke Williams can't make your roster, probably not worth developing him. David Sills is a rookie who still has a lot of upside, who is still transitioning to a different type of game in the NFL than what he played at West Virginia, I think he'd be very valuable on the practice squad to get a year under his belt. Good point. One more question, Bill's question here, then we'll take a break, eat some chicken wings. Through four practices, you said John Brown, so let's not count him. Who else has impressed you the most? And conversely, who's been the most disappointing to you? I know that might be a tough word to say, again, after only just four practices, but... Somebody that you're looking to see more out of that you haven't seen yet. Um, I think Devin Singletary's been impressive. I'm not about to anoint him the starting running back, and I want to go there, but I think he's shown a lot of the same things he showed. The reason why I say that, Pat, is going from FAU to the NFL is a little bit of a bigger jump than a lot of other schools. Not like he came from the ACC or the SEC. 
but he's still showing that same contact balance and vision that you saw at that school. And I'm like, okay, I think this kid can handle the NFL. I think he looked pr- looks pretty good. It's been generally a McCoy, Gore, Singletary rotation. One, two, three. The S, they're all working in there, but those are generally the three. I would say Devin Singletary's been impressive. Um, Kevin Johnson is still impressive to me at corner. But what does it say about Levi Wallace that Kevin Johnson's still not starting ahead of him? Because Levi Wallace is still out there as the corner opposite Trey Weiss, Troy White. So I would say, you know, he's been a guy that's looked pretty good. Who have I wanted to see more from? I'll say Robert Foster. I think Robert Foster I've wanted to see more from. I need him to jump up a little bit. I need him to show me who he was. He dropped a big ball over the middle right in his hands the other day at practice, something you have to hold on to. I want to see Robert Foster show up more and be the guy we saw in the last seven weeks of last season. At least show me that he's trending in that direction because right now he kind of just seems like a guy that's out there you know, with the wide receivers. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to bang out some of these O'Neal's chicken wings. Then we'll resume. I'm going to play an ad from one of our sponsors, and then I'm going to have some questions from fans on Twitter. Sounds good. All right, let's take a quick break here so I can tell you about one of our show sponsors. Today's episode is being brought to you by Pulse Cellular. Pulse Cellular was created to give a better option for everyone out there looking for premium wireless phone service at less cost with straightforward plans, no strings attached, no confusing fine print, none of that BS. They have you covered nationwide in the United States with unlimited talk and text, premium fast LTE data plans, hotspot coverage at no additional cost in all 50 states as well as the Caribbean, Canada, and Mexico. Plans also include unlimited free Wi-Fi calls internationally when calling U.S. lines. If you don't want to buy a new phone, you want to keep your old one, you almost certainly can if. You don't want a new phone number. You want to keep your old one. You definitely can. There are no credit checks. There's no contracts. There's no overage costs. Go visit PulseCellular.com. Check out their plans. As a bonus, put in promo code Moran on any online order, and you'll receive another 10% off the price of any phone or plan. I'm telling you, you can't beat it. Find out for yourself what more and more people are finding out each and every single day. Life is better with Pulse. All right, I'm back. I am with Sal Gapaccio. We are at O'Neill Stadium Inn. Took a break. Banged out some wings, some Cajun really medium. good wings. They really are good. I, I, we were talking about this. They're sneaky good. When people talk about O'Neill's, again, they associate binge partying during, after Bill's games, before. But they don't think about food, man. This place is a solid menu. I'm telling you, sneaky 50-something flavors, which I think is too much personally. I'm a regular hot, medium, mild, you know, maybe throwing some Cajun like we have. But I'll tell you what, man, bang for your buck. These, this is one of the best places for wings. Can I give you my hot wing take? Yeah, because you right. never do that, man. I, but I'm going to give you my wing take. All go right? ahead. It's a little different, I think, maybe than what you've heard. All right, go ahead. I don't think you can screw wings up that much, especially in Buffalo. You know how to make hot sauce. You know how to make medium sauce, right? I've made my own sauce. I can do that. The size matters. Yeah. The size of the wing matters. Big time. I'll, I'll even say to people sometimes, if I've never been somewhere, you know, if it's not one of the traditional places or someplace you know that it's supposed to have good wings, I'll say, how are your wings? Oh, yeah, we got me. Are they big? Because <laughs> I have lived in, I lived in Florida and I worked at a sports bar and I, we were there long enough where sometimes we had wings that were just huge and like, wow, these are really good. And sometimes we got them from the distributor and they were just like little dinky things. Right. Right. So I want to know how big is your wing? Because I don't think you could screw wings up in Buffalo, to be quite honest with you. Well, in Buffalo, it's harder because generally speaking, they're good. And this is the whole thing. You could go to 50 different places and you might say 
this place is only 25th out of 50, and that doesn't sound great. But you take this place and you go to Florida, oh, and you've lived in Florida. It's in the top one or two with, without question. I, I, I only halfway agree with you, though, man. I, the size matters. I think sometimes some places they overcook the wings and right, they're yep, too crispy. Yep, you could do or that. The sauce is in a sauce, good mix. Sometimes the sauce isn't that good. Yeah. I can, I, but I think that generally, I really think generally most wings taste the same if you order a medium anywhere you go in Buffalo. Yeah, I think I don't. I don't think there's that much of a difference. I think the size matters. How much that I do think the, how well you cook them to the, the 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 right spot of crispiness that matters too. Yeah. And specialty flavors can yep. matter too. Totally. Like I said, those Cajun medium they they were they were different than just the regular medium. I like the regular medium, but the Cajun medium really popped out for me, man. I like them. All right, let's get to some questions. I asked on Twitter, fans to submit questions, and we'll start. Uh, I'm not gonna. I did not tell you, by the way, what these questions were going to be. So let's go. You know, let's talk a little. Let's stay with the Bills, and then we'll get to some personal stuff. At forty BB for life says my question. What is the biggest piece aside from great second year play from Josh Allen? Do we need to be a playoff team? Thanks. Um, well, it's got to be on the offense. And I think that really establishing that offensive line the way they hope. You know, I really think if Josh can have the kind of protection and they can get that running game going the way the Bills really want to get the running game going, they want to be a running team, right? So I do think it's the offensive line. So to say if they're missing a piece, I'm not sure. Um, but I do think that making sure that offensive line is what they hoped it would be. I think that's a really key element to it's going to benefit Josh. Josh is obviously the season. He's the number one, but I think that is number two and it's in concert with number one at NC sportscast. Seven one six wants to know as it stands right now, what position do you feel the Buffalo bills need to make a move at to upgrade before the start of the season, whether it be free agency or trade it's tight end. And I think maybe it might be as simple as guys getting healthy. Like, let's see where Tyler Croft is. But right now they're down three tight ends. Just before we started recording, they signed a tight end today. A guy that's been in the league for a few years but only played a handful of games, three games with the Minnesota Vikings a couple of years ago. So I think tight end is the one position where I do think I, I'm still concerned about because hopefully Dawson Knox can be what they think he can be. Hopefully Tyler Croft comes back. But there's a lot of ifs and a lot of questions. At tomorrow, 17 wants to know. This is a good question because you're a high school football coach. So you would know this. What role does a position coach have in setting game lineups, packages, and substitutions? Can Chad Hall sub out or in a player that is part of a package, for instance? Does he have that power? Well, generally, I would say no. I don't know how the Bills do it. Uh, generally, I would say no. Like, he can't just do it unilaterally. He can't do it on his own. That's all predetermined. And, you know, the offensive coordinator will have the say over that. He's gonna, They're going to go over who's in on what packages. Chad Hall will know who to put in. But it is, it is his direct responsibility to make sure the right guys are on the field in his position group for that particular play. But he can't suddenly say, hey, I think I want Robert Foster in on this play. You know, I think um, unless there's an injury or something, he has to go to that. That's really done by the offensive coordinator, and that's all got to be predetermined before going into the game. All right, a couple more Bills ones here. Irish Hunter 16 wants to know, who is Sal's sleeper pick to make the 53-man roster? Does Maurice Alexander count as a sleeper to you? I'd say so. I like what I've seen from him. He's playing that hybrid uh, nickel safety, big nickel role for them. I like Maurice Alexander. I think he's going to wind up making the 53-man roster. I'll stay on the defensive side. I think Mike Love makes the 53-man roster. I I think Eddie Arbrough might be in trouble. We'll see if they want to keep an extra defensive end. But right now, I think Mike Love is one of the top four defensive ends. And then I think on the offensive side, 
partly because of injury situation, but I've always thought this. I think Tommy Sweeney uh, could be in line to make the 53-man roster. He was their last draft choice tight end out of Boston College. Let's talk about him for a second because TJ Bills, 85, wanted to know how does the tight end position look with the injuries? Can Tommy Sweeney and Lee Smith hold it down enough to the others come back from injuries? You kind of answered that already, but tell us a little bit about Tommy Sweeney. Do you like yeah, that kid? Tommy's a, a well-rounded tight end, but he, he's not. he doesn't have the high ceiling, I think, that you know you – that Dawson Knox might have. He's not quite the athlete as you might want out of the position, but he does a lot of things well. He's a he's a solid blocker. He has good hands. He can run good routes. He's not going to blow you away down the seam or anything like that, but I think he'll be reliable, and I think he'll be a guy that can really fit into this offense and do different things and fill different roles for you. In fact, I think he could play H-back if he wanted to. You know, Put him back there, let him block a little bit. So I think Tommy Sweeney has a, has a good shot to make this roster right now. At Mike Zazzo, 24, wants to know, your favorite Buffalo Bills player that you've either covered or interviewed? That's a good one. <sighs> There's been quite a few. Um, you know, and and allow me to get, like, on a personal level here because I think some of them have been more personal than professional. Like, I have a great relationship with Lorenzo Alexander because we did a TV show together. Yep. And, you know, he is, I would consider, you know, a, a friend. His family is. You know, we've gotten to know each other on that level. I think maybe Stevie. Stevie Johnson was always interesting to cover. He was fun. Uh, you never knew what was going to happen or on a game day, and you have to go talk to him yeah. <laughs> about stuff like that. Eric Wood was awesome to go talk to and would really give you a good insight on stuff. Uh, the guy in the locker room now, I think that rivals, you know, Lorenzo, like I said, is in the locker room still. But I think the guy that really in the locker room now, people don't understand how really good he is with the media, and he's been great to me personally, is Micah Hyde. Micah Hyde is really good. I, I emceed his charity, charity, charity softball game, but. If you want a good answer, he's not just going to sugarcoat things or give you a can. But he's also not going to give you bulletin board material, if that makes sense. Right. right? Oh, sure. He, he's he's going to answer you as best he can. And um, sometimes that might be a little bit different than other guys, but he's he's not going to give you like the, oh, my God, listen to this soundbite that's on ESPN the next morning. At Chef Bake One wants to know, is there one tweet or take Sal has made that he wished he could have taken back? Oh, wow. I wish I had time to think about this. I bet there is. Um, can't, you know, you know, here's the thing. And I think the person is probably referring to like, I thought a guy was going to be really good and he's not right. Or something like that. I thought a guy was going to stink and he wound up being pretty good. Um, I will say, speaking of Stevie, I told people "Ah, as a seventh round pick, even though he showed up a little bit at the end of one season, ah, you know, he's a seventh round pick, not going to do much. He wound up being a really good player. I think the answer for this though, for me, Pat lies in sometimes how I respond to people in a manner I shouldn't maybe in which. I just kind of, you know, we all, we're all we all human, yeah. and we all see things, we all get criticized, or people say something just biting or cutting, and I've let that get the better of me a few times here or there. I've, I'm way better now than I used to be years ago. I just ignore most of it, or I'll just mute the person or block the person or whatever, so I don't have to deal with it. But I would say the answer to that might not be something specific, but it would probably be in general maybe responding to certain people I shouldn't have or in a manner in which I shouldn't have. Does it get easier to deal with that now? It's never going to go away. In fact, the more you become known, the more your stature grows, the more experience that you've had in this industry, the worse it probably gets because people are trying to make a name for themselves by pissing you off. Does the- They are looking for a response, right? I mean, right. that's what they're doing. Yeah. They, they want that's a response. It. And if I give them that, then they've won. Right. And luckily, I have a wife who is a uh, mental health counselor. You know, she has a degree in clinical psychology, and she's, <laughs> yeah. she's basically walked me through this a few times. And been, <laughs> like, basically, you don't have to care about those people. And, uh, you know... They're not doing what you're doing, and they're just trying to get a rise out of you. And, and I've realized that, but at the same time, 
No one, we're all human. No one wants to read someone telling you how you suck. No one wants to read, you know, that your coverage is horrible or whatever. And, and the worst part for me is not that. This is a, we could have a whole podcast on this. It's not even that as much. Like, I can deal with that. It's when people, they don't know who I am personally. And right. they tell me I'm a certain way when I'm not, you know, for you're rude to people all the time. Like, I'm not, I'm not rude. Like, for example, um, you know, I could, I've been on the radio where I've done shows and I could take 20 calls in a show and then, and they all go great. And I give people the airtime to talk and we have good debate. And then the 21st call, I kind of maybe get snippy or cut someone off or maybe react in a way I shouldn't have, which we're all human and it's live sure. radio and it happens. Yeah. And then suddenly, Pat, I'm not kidding you. I will get at least three, four, ten tweets. People saying, wow, you're always so rude to people. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not though. Like that's not like what are you talking about? Are you are you listening to the right show? Like that's not me. Yeah. Like I don't know what you're talking about. That's what gets me more than anything. And sometimes it's people that I've interacted with before on 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 Twitter. You know that like they're not just trolling. I'm like, wait, really? You think that about me? Like that's not who I am. That's what gets me more than anything. I take pride in like doing stuff like this with you, like really reaching out and being accessible to people. And this is your day off. You just had four straight days of practice and you're going to be back at it again tomorrow. You could have been doing a million different things and you're doing this podcast with me. You, you confirmed that you were going to do it. You know, you said you're going to do it and you know, you're know keeping your word and um, stuff like that. I you, really appreciate Can I swear on this at all? Or you no? can do anything you want. To do <laughs> so, uh, I got one the other day, for example, um, Mark Ludwizak does a great job with the bills. He had responded to somebody. Someone used Mark's response to tag me and said, see, Sal, I heard you answer a question about that. I remember this conversation. I don't know where I was, but I totally remember this. I was out somewhere. Some guy said to me, how does Josh Allen look in OTAs compared to other QBs and OTAs over the years? Jesus. How do you answer that? Right. <laughs> I know, and I, and I try like, like you, I'm like, I don't know. Like, right. how do you, like, I can't really think about, I don't remember what Tyrod did in OTAs necessarily. Yeah. And I answered it in that kind of realm. So this guy tweets me and says, I heard a guy ask you the question about how Josh looks compared to other guys in OTAs, and you were a dick to him. Jesus. And I'm like, okay, maybe, I don't know. Like, come on, like, what are we doing here? You know, and, but now that guy thinks that I'm just a jerk. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that's what bothers me. Yeah, I hear you, man. All right, AE4760 wants to know, were you a fan of Syracuse sports growing up before you went there for college? And before you answer that, I'm going to add something into because you talked about this on the first episode ever that I had. Not everyone knew about this podcast when I had you on for the first episode. Well, not, well, don't make it you know, too detailed, but I do want you to tell the story about what you did to sneak into a Syracuse game. Because to me, that's one of my wasn't favorite just stories. A game. It wasn't just a game. Right. It was the six-overtime exactly. game against UConn. I was a Syracuse basketball fan growing up. I really didn't follow Syracuse football. I was a Syracuse basketball fan. In fact, I was crushed when Keith Smart hit the jumper to beat them in 87 yep. when I was only 14 years old. Or, you know, that month, I was just turning 14, might have been right before my birthday, um, to beat them in the national championship game. So I was very in tune with Syracuse basketball when I got on campus, and that was the coolest thing to be a part of that and see that. And they weren't even that good in basketball when I was there, by the way. Uh, they were much better in football. And they had Marvin Graves, and then Donovan came in a little yeah. later, and yep. they were like top five in the country. A couple of different times. So what happened was I go to the Big East tournament. I'm there. I, I actually went because I was covering USF for an online uh, outlet. Right. And I, so I got credentialed. And the way it works is if you're covering one school, you can go to that session, but you can't go to the other session. So I wasn't supposed to go to the Syracuse-UConn game that night. 
but I really wanted to go. Yeah. So I, I, I said, I'll just walk down with the credential I have and see what happens. I go down there. I'm not matched up with the credential that I'm supposed to get in with, but I'm trying to go, in my, oh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? So I see the Syracuse band and all of a sudden they start walking in to MSG. We're at MSG. They start walking in and the security guard takes the rope and allows the band. And as he does it, he turns his back towards the wall kind of because he's putting the, the rope on, on the other uh, side of the wall. And as he does that, I literally walked in with the Syracuse band into the game. <laughs> no one said a word. And by the time I was in there, I just made my way down to press row and nobody cared because I had been there already for a couple of nights covering other games. So no one questioned me. And my buddy who works at Syracuse had told me, hey, I got to go back. I can't cover the game. Or no, it was his buddy, his cameraman. He said his cameraman could not cover the game. He said, if you happen to get a credential... You could just use my his seat. So I knew where I could sit. I already had it all planned out. I love that story, man. I really do. All right. Karen T. 250 wants to know, what was the transition like for you going from Bill's fan growing up to Bill's reporter as an adult and being able to do your job fairly? I'm assuming by that you mean objectively. It's a challenge sometimes to, you know, walk that line and say and, 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 and leave that part of your life. So I have never left that part of my life. I'll always say this. I'm a fan of Buffalo sports. I want Buffalo sports teams to succeed, Pat, because I grew up here. This is part of my blood. This is part of my DNA. I'm not going out there looking for autographs on the field, though. You know what I mean? That's not what I'm doing. Right. I think, and I've tried, this has been a challenge for me to try and do it the right way, but I think I found the right balance, and I found it years ago, but that is to be objective and fair in, in my coverage, but at the same time, liking when they are good and do right. well and being positive about it. Like, that's cool. Like, yeah. I, I enjoy that experience. I'm part of the game day experience. Like, I'm part of this, man. Like, I, I want to cover playoff games. I want to cover a Super Bowl someday. Is that, that a, would be is awesome. Is that pinch me moments for you on Sundays? Oh. It's got to be still. So, I mean, I don't care if it's your first game doing it or your 20th, your 30th, whatever. That's still got to feel like a pinch me moment when an NFL game's going on and you're there on that sideline working. True, true story. This is what I do. Every Sunday. doesn't matter what stadium I'm in, whether it's right here, the one that's a couple hundred yards away from us, or a road game. Every single Sunday, Pat, during the National Anthem, I calm myself down, and I just kind of take a deep breath, and then I I actually do a 360 around the stadium. And I say to myself, I can't believe I'm in the NFL. Yeah. Like, it is cool, right? And that that's how I put my spell, give myself that perspective. Like, wow, look what I'm doing for a living. Like, this is amazing. These people are paying thousands of dollars to come here they would do anything i to, to be in my position and look i'm i'm in the nfl i'm covering the nfl so yes I, that is pinch me every sunday but i i am very thankful and i never take for granted what i do never take for granted what i do that's why people always tell me you're too positive you're a homer no i just understand i'm very privileged at what i do i don't need to go be a miserable son of a bitch every single time right. that i come to work i mean that you know some reporters are like that i'm not like that yeah katie carlson 15 does Sale want to come give a motivational speech to my team of six and seven year old Chicktawaga Little Loop players? I'll hang up and listen. Not sure how serious this question is, but uh, you do get do you get a lot of requests to come sure. speak and do you enjoy speaking to children? I know you've emceed high school award banquets and you've spoken to kids. I've seen it before on Twitter. Is that something that you enjoy doing? I just got another one this week. I'll be headed over to East Aurora Middle School, uh, their first week of school to speak to the entire student body and do a little motivational stuff. I do that. Um, you know, it's hard for me sometimes that I don't like I don't charge necessarily, but at the same time, like it is my time. Sure. And they are, I, I do have a name and you know, and you want to make sure that you're being compensated right. correctly and fairly. So I'm not going to say like, oh, you have to pay me a certain amount of money. But of course, you know, that's 
something that as as I get older and I as I have a voice in this business that I try to make sure that you know I'm doing it to, for the right reasons, the right people. If I'm going to dev- devote my time to it, um, because I have been like people say, hey, we'll give you a couple hundred bucks to come speak at something, you know, and that's part of my business. That's what right. I'll do. I mean, just like anybody else. Generally, though, um, sure, if someone asks, I'll try my best. I can't always do it, obviously. It's just hard. Uh, um, I, 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 I could do, basically, I'll do middle school, high school, college. I go to Fredonia every year to talk to kids that want to get in the business and a career day they have, things like that. So, yeah, I try to do that when I can. And if someone wants me to, it's sal at WGR550.com. They can email me. They can ask. I mean, if I say no, I say no. If I can do it, I can do it. Aug444, I don't know if this is a serious one or not. Tips on moving to Florida and where to live for a millennial. Millennial, I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, probably, uh, I mean, you know, Panama City is more of like a spring break type town, right? I mean, yeah. if you want to do, if you want that scene, you want a little slower scene, head to where uh, I am or you were, you are, I was, and that's on the Gulf Coast. Yeah. A little bit slower, relaxed, but very cool, beautiful, you know, lots of golf. You want to play golf? You want a little bit more of a, uh, upbeat, crazier scene. Go to Daytona, NASCAR, bikers, stuff like that in Daytona, right? Miami, obviously, South Beach. You got that's a bit crazy sometimes. I think Orlando's a good spot for that, though, for millennials. Yeah, and Orlando's got a little bit of everything. It's it's family, but it's also young, right? You could you could enjoy yourself if you're a young person. Orlando, UCF's a great college. Lots of stuff around there, but lots of kids for the lots of stuff for the kids if you're a family person. Yeah, and it's got the I four though, which is the worst. Yeah, through in the world's largest world. parking lot. I absolutely hate it, man. Michael Partham, we're going to wrap up here a few more. After finishing Game of Thrones, does Sal have any thoughts on whether he prefers, this is a good question, do you have any thoughts on whether you prefer binge-watching shows or experiencing them week by week or even year to year? Binge-watching, right? My wife's over there. Let's see, do you, you prefer? Yeah, come on, binge-watching. We've been watching a lot of shows together. First show we ever binge-watched was 24. I love that show. And we, were, we probably watched five, six shows a night. Like, like six hours we're sitting there. Yeah. Oh my God, Jack. And this was because it was years after it had come out, right? And we had done it. And uh, we caught up pretty quickly. Um, I prefer to binge watch. I think it's awesome because I don't want to wait. Like, I like now there are actually shows that are, what they're doing is they're releasing them all in full. Like, I think Ozark, they did that with last year. And I think they might do it again this year. Like, I'd rather watch it that way. And here's also part of the reason. It's not just the binge watching part. It's if I want to stop and resume again, I can stop and resume again. It's on my leisure, leisure yeah. when I want to do it, right? I have that choice to do it. I don't have to binge watch it. But to have the option to binge watch it is more of what's important to me. I don't want to get into a big Game of Thrones discussion or even a recap okay. of the show. But I will ask you this. Because you, you binge watch? watched it. Oh, I watched it, okay. yeah. Now, I binged the first four or five seasons. I don't remember. It was four or okay. five like you did. And then I caught on and I watched the last couple seasons as it happened. I feel like the expectation was absolutely through the roof. And maybe because you got to binge watch it that you didn't have to sit there and wait a week for all these lofty expectations that maybe for those people might have let them down where you went right to the next episode. So it probably wasn't as big of a letdown for you. Did you like the last season? Again, we won't get into a big Game of Thrones discussion. It was was okay. Here's what I did not like. I did not like the fact that they turned it into a bunch of love stories. There were like three or four love stories going on that really weren't in play for the first seven seasons. And I'm like, ah, this isn't really what this is about. And I, I understood some of those love stories and why they did it, but I didn't really like it that much. I thought it turned to, turned into something that kind of wasn't for seven seasons and suddenly turned on that. Um, I didn't mind the last season as much as a lot of people. Look, shows like that, there's never a great way to end because they end, yeah. and people don't want them to end. People didn't like The Sopranos ending. 
as we get years and years removed from it, people are more, okay, I understand yeah. why, right? Because right. how are you supposed to end something like yeah. that? Right? Is everybody just supposed to die? I don't know. <laughs> right? But but I, I didn't I didn't hate it as much as everybody a lot of people seem to. The only thing I didn't like was the fact that they had incorporated so much of there were like three or four love stories going on when that wasn't the case earlier. Donald Paris G A says the number one artist or band that you would want to see in a concert that you have not yet seen already. So you can't say you two. Can it be I, living or dead? Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to interpret his question. Here. Um, I somebody would say, that's living. Let, let's go with somebody that's still living. Someone that you'd like to see in concert that you haven't seen yet. Maybe Bruno Mars. I don't know. I'm like, who? Elton John. My wife said, yeah, he's Elton going on John. tour. I'd love to see Elton John. I'd right. love. He's going on a farewell tour. We do like Elton John a lot. I was I've, I saw Billy Joel at MSG last year. That was really cool. Like in MSG, Billy Joel, right? That's amazing. Oh, I'm disgusted about in 2016. I bought my wife for Christmas Billy Joel tickets at MSG, and it ended up we ended up moving. And because of the timing when we were moving, it just wasn't going to work. We had too many things going on. I ended up selling the tickets, reselling uh, them, and it breaks my heart to this day even thinking about that. Uh, oh my god! Was- I have a, I have a few though. I would say I would say. Um, Bruno Mars is up there, I think, because he, he's entertaining and energetic, right? That's why I like that. I'd like to see Adele. I, I, I've, you know, I, I've seen some of her live stuff, like on TV or YouTube, and I'm like, that's a concert. I think I could like, I'd enjoy listening to her sing, just being in the in the concert hall or whatever you want to yeah. be in the arena with her, something like that. So, uh, but Elton John would be a good one too. All right, last three questions here at Dave TRW, a family question. My dad was an only child and ended up having three kids, but spoke of loneliness at times growing up before he met my mom. Does he, do you worry about that for Max? On the way over here, we discussed this question because I saw somebody tweet it. Yeah. And I said, it's a really deep question, right? It is. It's almost too deep for this podcast. (laughs) But, but I have a very simple, easy answer that came to my head very quickly. The answer is no. I never worry about that with him because he's got me and he's got my wife and he is involved in everything. Right. I don't know how a kid that plays four sports at the age of five can ever be lonely. <laughs> I mean, think all the teammates he has. You know what I mean? And he's just doing something all the time. We're always active. So I would say, no, I'm not worried about that for Max at all. Um, I think he has a lot of things available and people available to him that he doesn't. he's not going to get like that. All right. Second last one here. At Rotom Mike, saw a tweet where Sale talked about being a Connolly Cup finalist while in high school. Ask him to talk a little bit about his high school football career. First of all, I was a nominee, not a finalist, so I didn't get to go on the big stage at the end, but okay. I was a nominee, mm-hmm. just so we clear that up. Uh, still pretty impressive and cool, sure. I, I think, right? Um, I, I had a great high school career, personally and as a team, because I got to play at the stadium. We won a sectional championship. I had an interception at the stadium, actually, oh, to, to wow. seal the game, basically. Uh, we played Salamanca. It was my junior year. I was the extra defensive back my junior year. Uh, we were up 14-12 late in the game. Coach put me in. I picked off the ball. We won the game. That was it. Game was over on that play, actually. Um, so that was pretty cool. But it was uh, it was great. I still I still have very fond memories of my high school experience. Um, I was a wide receiver, safety, kick and punt returner. And the game I was nominated for the Connolly Cup, we played Alden at home. I had three catches, two went for touchdowns, and I had two picks on defense wow. in one game. Um, I am still, to this day, 37 years later... Right, ninety-one would be thirty-seven years. No, twenty-seven years. Twenty-seven. There you go. Twenty-seven years later, I am still the record holder at Cleveland Hill High School for the highest average yards per reception in a career with twenty-one yards per reception. Wow! 
Do you, you've covered Cleveland Hill games at the Ralph or whatever New River Field? Yes. Is it harder to be oh. objective for that than it is the Bills? No, it's it's not harder to be objective. Like I'm just doing play by play, really, right? I mean, play by play is play by play. And to be honest with you, I'm excited for all high school kids. And sure. and and like when I'm doing play by play, like I just want all the kids to be in a good light and shine and be positive for everybody. But I I want I want to see Cleve Hill win and go on to the next round and eventually win a state title. They've won they've lost in the state semifinals the last two years. Just can't seem to get to the dome, right? And that right. that would be awesome. But no, I, I still love my school. I love my coaches. Glenn Graham does a great job over there. Uh, Denny Mason is the offensive coordinator who was my head coach in high school. Carl Curris was my defensive coordinator. He runs now the Trench Trophy every year, mm-hmm. and I go and speak for him. So it's a family. It really is. I had a great high school experience, not only in football, um, but in baseball as well. And I was all area in both, uh, leadoff hitter, center fielder. you know. And I always tell people you know, that was, to me, it's funny, say this, one of the things I tell kids when I do the motivational speaking is do everything, do everything. It's not just sports, right? I was the lead in the musical. I was, really? I was Conrad Birdie in Bye Bye Birdie. Oh, wow. So my, my music teacher tells me to this day when I would run into her, she said, I would still remember, she said, you would come out of, the, out of a baseball game with all your eye black on and you'd come into the auditorium and rehearse <laughs> at night. And I'm like, yeah, I would. Like, that would be what I did, right? It was, that's what I did. I, I was involved in everything. In my high school, and I always tell kids, I don't care if you're in drama and your band. I was in jazz band. I was, a, I'm a drummer. I was in jazz band, you know, so I couldn't play during football games, but you know, I played in concerts right. and stuff like that. And I always tell people, and, and my advice, and I want my son to do this, is just do everything. And that's what I did. And I think that experience made me a better player, a better athlete, all those kinds of things. I've always been a good athlete. I was just always smaller. Nice. I mean, if you looked at me on the football field and you said, let's pick out the Connolly Cup nominees, I would not be one of them you would probably pick out. Right. But um, no, I had, I had a good career and I'm very proud of it. Last question here is from Aaron Quinn, 716, my man from Cover One. I like this question, too. A topic I talk about with a lot of parents, but I really respect Sal as a reporter and as a man and a parent. Will you let your kid play football before and during high school? And if he does, will you come out of retirement and get back into coaching? I'll hang up and listen. So, yes, I'll let Max play football. He um, he plays now. He plays flag football. I am assuming Aaron means tackle, obviously. Sure. I will let Max play. It is up to me as the parent to make sure that if he wants to play, that the environment is right, the equipment is right, the coaching is right. We have made great strides in this game to make it as, as safe as possible. It's never going to be completely safe for everyone. No sport really is. Right. There are, I, he plays lacrosse, he's five, he's getting whacked all the time. Right. I mean, like <laughs> yeah. with the stick. Yeah, it's like, rough. It, right. I mean, there's concussions in soccer all the time. And I'm not saying. Oh, well, I'm not trying to be one of those guys. I, I recognize the dangers in football. I do. I also know that at the younger levels, you know, it, it's these guys, they have so much padding on it, things like that. They're, they're like weeble wobbles. They roll over and you got to pick them up sometimes, right? <laughs> I will let him play if he wants to play. And then as we get older, he'll have more decisions that, you know, if he, how hard he wants to go and what levels. Um, I don't have time to coach. I would like to. I just don't have time. I really don't want to coach Max right now. I want him to experience other coaches, but he kind of wants me to coach. He's like, how come you're not coaching me? You want to coach me? And maybe someday I will. Football takes a lot of time. And I've helped out with this T-ball team a little bit here or there when the coach needs somebody. I'm not the coach. But football is, it's a, that's something that takes a lot of time. And I don't know, I know the commitment. You'll appreciate this. You're in Florida. The commitment it took when I was down there, I just couldn't give anymore because I was too much going back into media. And I had to tell my head coach, like, I can't do this. What you need from me, I can't. Maybe that works other places, not in Florida. I, I would love to do it, and here's how I always phrase it. Someday, Pat, 
when Max is older, maybe I'll retire and I'll go to some small school somewhere, some class D or C school. I'll run the wing tee, just be the offensive coordinator, <laughs> and I won't have to worry about paperwork or parents. <laughs> and then I'll just and I'll be okay. And that's what I'm going to do. That's how I'm going to come out of retirement. That's funny. All right, everyone follows Hell on Twitter at Sales Sports. Thanks, O'Neills. This was fun, man. Good chicken wings, good eats. Yeah, it was good. Thank good, you. Good vibe, good place to be. And... Thanks for doing this, Sal. Really appreciate you, man. Again, four straight days of camp. You're one day off. You come here, you bring your wife, bring Max. I'm really grateful for having you, man. Appreciate no, thank it. you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, buddy. All right, that is going to do it for this episode. Big, big thank you again, Sal Capaccio. I cannot thank that man enough for doing the show. I know how busy he is, especially this time of year. Bill's camp just starting. Four straight days in Rochester. He comes back to Buffalo for one day and does my podcast. That means a, that means a world to me. Third time doing the show. First time actually being able to get together, doing it live in person. That made it even more fun. It was great to meet his wife. She's awesome. And of course, Max, that kid's going to be a stud, man. I'm telling you, little stud that kid is. So thanks again, Capaccio family. Also, one more time, I got to thank O'Neal's. I love this place. I, I truly do. And I know, I said it at the top, I'm going to say it again. I know it's known as a place to go binge drink for Bills games on Sundays, but this place is so much more than that. Don't get me wrong. Lots of fun to go to. Party it up. Great party bar, but it's just so much more than that. Calling it a party bar for Bills games would be completely selling it short because it's so much more than that. That menu is one of the most underrated in Western New York. And those chicken wings are easily, and I mean easily, a top 10 spot. Cajun medium, mm, love them. So thanks again to O'Neal's. This was a lot of fun, man. One down in Buffalo, five more to go. Coming up on Friday's show, I'm going to have Joe Yurden from The Athletic. Not quite sure where we're going to be yet, but we'll figure that out soon. Look out for that episode on Friday. If you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go in and do so right now. Cannot thank you enough for listening. I truly appreciate each and every single one of you. Have a good week. We'll be back on Friday. I'll have plenty to talk about. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.